visiting teacher again. And a friend of Wajananam has come to visit us from Wat Mapchan Monastery in Rayong Province in Thailand uh, for the next two weeks. And we'll be giving teachings if you've seen the program up. You'll be giving teaching on different days. And it's been a month for over 30 years now, ordained with uh, Ajahn Chah originally in his, his own monastery. So I give you all my blessing tonight, all those um, of you gathered here with faith, um, the Sangha and lay community of Buddha Bodhiwana Monastery. Um, on this occasion um, that I have come here to visit you all, with a group of three other monks from our monastery in Thailand uh, coming to visit this new monastery where Ajahn Kaliano is the abbot. I'm very happy to see so many people, so many monks, so many lay people coming to practice in this monastery who have faith in the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha. And I'm also um, very impressed with the growth of this monastery in terms of the Sangha, the number of Sangha members ordained and practicing here, the number of lay people coming to visit the monastery, support it and practice and the actual physical growth of the monastery is very inspiring in such to see such, so much accomplished in such a short space of time. The most important thing is that this is a place of practice, a practice of the Buddhist teachings the practice of dana, sila and bhavana and bhavana or mental development, mental cultivation is the most important thing it's the heart of the Buddhist practice and the fact that we can come here together and practice like this spreads out as a result from the good practice the peaceful hearts radiating from the sangha here from the teacher and from the sangha here spreading out to the community um, and this allows us to follow their example to gain and find peace in our own hearts. The most important thing or message of Buddhism is that we have to practice and find the way to practice in our lives um, because all of us born as human beings we are facing dukkha, facing suffering uh, coming up in the future. We have to face the possibility of the suffering of this body as it ages, gets old and sick and the mental suffering that can arise in life. If we're not fully and properly prepared for this um, when we actually meet with suffering in different forms our mindfulness and our wisdom will not be developed enough, ready enough to deal with it and it will overwhelm us so the Buddha encouraged us to live with the quality of apamada, heedfulness. It's necessary if we want to get beyond suffering. He said one who has heedfulness is like one who is never dying, never dies. Whereas one who is heedless doesn't have heedfulness. They're like somebody who's dead already. With heedfulness then we can do all the duties, all the things we have to do in life well and properly. Uh, without that, if we're careless, then we can't do anything and we can't develop ourselves in the right way for the ending of suffering. So the practice of dana, sila, bhavana, 
These are the ways that the Buddha gave us to develop ourselves, to reach the goal that we're seeking, the end of suffering, seeking the highest happiness and ultimately Nibbāna, enlightenment. If we don't know the right way, the proper way to develop ourselves, to raise the level of our minds, then we'll tend to fall under the influence of kilesa, mental defilements and delusion. Every time our senses experience forms, sounds, smells, tastes, touch and the ideas and the concepts that arise in our mind from moment to moment. Every time we experience these, if we don't have um, mindfulness and wisdom then we'll tend to get lost into moods and mental states of liking and attraction or aversion and negativity and this will cause suffering for us. The important thing we should understand is that we should be practicing whether we have a lot of kilesa, a lot of mental defilements or a few, we still have to practice and the place of practice is at this very point, this direct um, point where we have sense contact arising from moment to moment in our lives when our eyes meet with forms, see forms, our ears hear sounds, our nose contacts smells tongue contacts taste, our body has touch and the mind receives ideas and uh, concepts arising. Any sense contact from the outside coming in, meeting with the inside, the the, the mind jitter inside, will lead to reactions. If we're not mindful and we don't have wisdom, they'll lead to different reactions. Um, Generally, we say if there's attraction arising with sense contact, it leads to a sense of sensual indulgence, indulgence and seeking of the pleasure of that sense contact. This is what the Buddha called karma to karikana yoga. If there's unpleasant sense contact and we're not mindful of it, it will lead to moods of aversion, negativity. That's atakilamatana yoga. Uh, both of these reactions, these ways of mind, are not peaceful. They don't take us to peace and when we experience them, it brings to us to suffering. And this kind of suffering is arising over and over again in our lives, right through our lives. As long as we're not practicing mindfulness, we'll get caught into attraction and aversion. It's a cyclical thing, and it's actually what we call watasamsara. It's the cycle of birth and death of consciousness, whether you're looking at that on the level of a one lifetime or many lifetimes. So the Buddha had us practice uh, the way out of this, the way to train ourselves, to develop ourselves in the right way to, do, to reach peace and happiness. He said, Jitang Dangtang Sukhawahang means the well-trained mind uh, becomes happy. So we have to see the value of practice and the value of looking after our minds. It's very similar to a child, a young child, If a young child doesn't have its parents to look after it um, because it's young and inexperienced in the world it won't know yet what is dangerous to it. Uh, They won't know the dangers of fire, the dangers of water um, and it's very easy for that child to get caught into a situation where disaster can happen. So the role of the parents is vital, it's necessary to watch over the young child 
take care of it, make sure it doesn't fall into danger until it's old enough to look after itself. Our own mindfulness and wisdom is like the parents of the mind. They guard over our minds. They guard over all the sense contact that we have from day to day, moment to moment. All this sense contact where we're contacting the world from the outside coming inside. Um, and mindfulness and wisdom will guard over the mind at the point of sense contact to avoid it falling into moods of suffering and different kinds of states of uh, lack of peace. When we say we become deluded by the world, it means we're deluded by this sense contact coming in through the six sense doors, the eye seeing forms and so on. All those objects of the senses that we experience, as long as we have mental defilements, we have delusion, ignorance, and a lack of understanding of truth, then they will stir up suffering in the mind. So we have to practice to contemplate, bring up mindfulness and contemplate the truth and we'll come to see that all the mental states and reactions that are caused by this sense contact are actually changeable, impermanent or anicca. If we have attraction arising in the mind, we have liking, it's not certain, it won't last, it will change. And the Buddha said, observe this, he said, use your mindfulness to observe, hold your mind in check and observe the attraction and the aversion arising and passing away, how it's impermanent or anicca. Sati, your mindfulness is like the parents and it's a helping us to avoid falling into moods of attraction and aversion and falling into delusion and attachment. So as long as we are developing sati, we will also develop experience in the practice and be able to observe this truth and this is what we call panya, wisdom or insight. The more sati we develop, the more insight into truth we will have. So focusing on the development of sati in our practice, we are aiming to develop sati continuously in every posture and every activity through our day, whether we're standing, walking, sitting, lying down. We use um, awareness, mindfulness, or you could say buddho, the knowing, the quality of knowing in the mind to develop a continuous awareness through our, our lives in all postures and all activities. And with this continuous awareness we'll gain understanding of truth and our practice will mature. With that maturity of practice we'll experience more inner peace, more calm and concentration, what we call samadhi. And as samadhi and concentration increases, we'll find that we're able to maintain mindfulness in whatever activity we're doing. And so we have to keep developing this in a continuous way, continuous way, developing uh, mindfulness in all postures, all activities. And with the, the increased calm and concentration we gain from this, this will be the foundation for the arising of wisdom and insight that clear seeing of the true nature of reality, uh, what we call Pawanamaya Panya, it's just the, the wisdom, the insight that arises from a peaceful mind through the practice of Sati and Samadhi. So in summary we can say that once we have some faith, some interest and confidence in the Buddhist teachings, um, then we have to commit ourselves, dedicate ourselves to the practice in a sincere way we have to aim to increase our mindfulness, put effort into this 
and to learn how to develop the Buddha within us, that quality of awareness. We will have to develop our dana, our sense of generosity and renunciation, develop our restraint of body and speech, what we call the practice of morality or sila, and most importantly, inwardly develop this sati awareness in daily life from moment to moment in a continuous way. And from this arises the ability to contemplate the Dhamma, the truth, with all these supporting factors, qualities of mind arising, they, they help to nourish each other, support each other, so our mindfulness will gradually increase the more effort we put into the practice, and the more our insight and understanding will increase, and these will support each other. So all of these are what we call the factors of the path, the Marga, the Eightfold Noble Path. And this is the way the Buddha gave us to develop ourselves, mature ourselves, um, gain more experience, more understanding in the practice, and from that greater happiness and greater radiance of mind. This radiance develops as we start to drop the unwholesome tendencies and habits we've collected over the years. Uh, as we drop them, the mind becomes more peaceful, more purer, and um, we start to really develop our potential as human beings. We've been doing this already in past lives, so you could say that our practice is really a continuity of what we've been doing before. Um, and we have to learn, really learn how to develop ourselves in a substantial way, in a good way. Just like we're developing this monastery, Buddha Bodhiwana Monastery, uh, we're developing it to become something very substantial, uh, a place where we can practice. And we have to develop our inner practice in just the way same way we have to develop this radiance and purity of mind and the more we experience this this radiance, this purity of mind as we put effort into our practice then the more happiness we will experience so please um, really commit yourselves in a sincere way to the practice and continue with your practice so I'll just um, say this much as my talk for this evening um, as some guidelines and outlines of the way of practice, but I will also now give you the chance if you have any questions or queries about the practice, you can bring them up and we can discuss them further. Uh, I'll just chant the formal way we end the Dhamma talk now. <laughs> He's asking, does everybody live down in the city somewhere, or is anyone staying closer by? More close? Jack Warburton, go in here. People who are still working in their life, uh, they use a lot of their brain to think a lot, and hence uh, in the meditation sometimes uh, it appears that we are very hard to calm down the mind. Is there any uh, method that the Sanagans would prescribe to help uh, those people who are still thinking, especially those people working in the uh, in, uh, Job where they use a lot of their thinking mind. 
It's important to get the right attitude and motivation with practice. So, even if you lead a busy working family life, then try to just begin, say, from the very beginning of the day, begin in the right way. When you get up in the morning, you really say, today I want to practice, do my duties, everything I have to do in a mindful way. I'm going to try to develop mindfulness as much as I can. If I have to meet with any difficult situations, difficult people who would perhaps test my patience, bring up uh, irritation, moods of anger, aversion, I'm not going to give in to those moods and become angry. I'll be patient and try and practice mindfulness with whatever difficulties I encounter. Uh, try and set that attitude up uh, so that when you go to work you have the right frame of mind. And then also be looking for times, occasions when you can practice more mindfulness in a more direct way, say even during your job, the time at work, in little breaks you have in the lunch hour at different times you might find you can still sit down for just a few minutes just calm yourself, bring your mind compose your mind, bring it back to the breathing uh, for a few moments and then you carry on with your other duties Um, again when you come home again develop an attitude of being one who is dedicated to the practice so Try not to bring all your work and your worries and concerns about work home with you. Try to leave them at work and when you come home try to set them aside, not to, to just keep thinking and worrying about different issues at work. Uh, you might come home, you might, if you have a little altar or shrine in your home when you get home, you find some time to bow and maybe do a little bit of Buddhist chanting like we've done tonight, just to set your mind in a good frame and do some meditation and try to develop you know, that self-discipline to do this on a regular basis see the, the importance of it and develop that motivation um, and if you develop that as a regular habit, a good habit you'll find that you're always refreshing your efforts in the practice refreshing your faith, your confidence in the teachings and the practice and this will give you some ability to resist the normal defilements and moods, uh, unwholesome moods that we might get caught into and as long as you're keeping up that sincere effort, even if you're not perfectly peaceful yet, but you'll still be putting in fresh, wholesome effort into your practice, you'll find that you, you, you remain inspired and you have some good energy there. But what you have to be careful of is if you, if you start becoming lazy or distracted too much uh, and say, um, you don't develop a good self-discipline or habit, you're, maybe your practice becomes very patchy, sometimes you do it, sometimes not. You find gradually the more unwholesome states of mind will take over again and you'll find even if you do come to sit to, to meditate, you're just caught up in many unwholesome states, lots of distracted thinking, and then you'll just start to feel, oh, it's not worth it, it's, it's not getting anywhere, and you'll start to despair of the practice and think, well, it's really not worth doing, and you'll maybe give it up. So, this is your, your, your challenge and your task really is to maintain that motivation, find ways to keep putting effort into the practice, however small, however little you put, put it in, it will always help to bring up the mind and bring up your motivation, and as long as you've got that, then you'll keep practicing. When I was a layman, uh, before I was a monk, I had a job, a regular job, where I'd go to work, come home again in the evening. Um, but because I saw the value of practice, 
I always try to save time in the evening to really put some effort into the practice. So however tired, exhausted I felt, I would still keep up this regular practice and I try and set aside an hour every evening. I do some chanting and then I meditate. And I found that because I had that wholesome effort, even though some days I felt very tired from work, um, just putting the effort in actually some days I've become peaceful and all the, the feelings of uh, tiredness, exhaustion would disappear and I felt very refreshed from my practice and that inspired me to keep doing it. I could see, oh, sometimes you can get beyond these things transcended. Um, so that's very important to, to, to keep up that kind of motivation, that kind of wholesome input. Um, and you'll find if you do this, then you know, little by little, your mindfulness, your wisdom and understanding in the practice will grow and you know, if not even if not every night you're experiencing deep states of peace and calm, but occasionally you might and these will help to show you all oh, the practice is worth it, you can keep doing it. Yes, I don't feel a personal experience you could say that all the Dharma practice we've done in the past and today um, is preparing for that moment at the end of our lives and that period at the end of our lives when we face death. Because of course all of us are going to have to face death and no one can escape from that. It's the, it's the one certainty in life. Um, so the important thing is to understand when a human being faces the, the possibility of death, um, they will tend to get caught into anxiety, worry, the mind becomes very shaky and will be thinking a lot. So our practice here now, learning to meditate, develop mindfulness, and we're learning to deal with how to deal with that moment, how to develop a sense of inner peace, calm, mindful awareness so that we can face that moment in a good, confident way, um, in a peaceful way. And you can see um, many examples of this from myself, knowing different monks and lay people who have practiced through their lives. Uh, they've done just this. They've developed themselves in dana, sila and meditation as I've outlined tonight. And the result of that is that they have a lot of inner confidence, mindfulness, awareness, which they can draw on at that, that time when they're close to death, um, to keep the mind peaceful and in a wholesome state. Uh, you know, it's the, all the fruits of all their practice through their life come together at that point, unified to, to provide that. Um, and so someone who's practiced like this, dedicated themselves to practice, um, you can say that it opens the door to uh, sukhati, meaning a, a happy rebirth, a good, wholesome, pleasant rebirth. Um, whereas people who don't practice, then you know, there's that great risk, that tendency that the mind will be confused, worried, suffering deeply at that time, and they won't know what to do. So this is a great motivation for us to practice. Uh, Samajan, in speaking Buddha, Samajan mentioned about and letting the one who knows be our teacher. Uh, let the that be the trainer of our mind. Can can we uh, elaborate on that? 
as I've been explaining tonight, you can say this puru or the awareness, the one who knows his quality we're developing inside, acts very much like the parents who are watching over the child. Um, this this one who knows is is sati, is mindfulness, and it follows and guards and watches over the mind. Um, when this sati present, then we'll know whether our mind is in an unwholesome state or a wholesome state, and we'll see the suffering that arises from the unwholesome states that we attach to and get caught into. So the more we develop our sila, our samadhi, and our panya, then the more the stronger this um, inner awareness, this one who knows, will become. Uh, this ability to guard, watch over the mind, it will become more powerful, stronger. And from this, our mind will develop to deeper, higher states of peace and happiness. Um, but we also have to keep contemplating because this, this awareness itself is not something to take or attach to as, as a self. Uh, the awareness of the one who knows we shouldn't attach to that as a self because that will actually turn into suffering again. It's merely a, a vehicle, a way of developing the mind to see truth and, and let go of attachment. Okay, with the sati, we said uh, that we could use sati to uh, watch for the rising of the, of the dominant speaker. Uh, sometimes it's like a battle between the two guys. Sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. So, uh, when we lose, uh, sometimes there's a feeling of uh, uh, guilt or uh, reward on uh, that we have lost the battle. Or should we have the battle? Or is something always wins uh, over the, uh, the strong and always wins over the uh, it's important to uh, get to know the mind. So, say we are aware that we're having a, a kind of a struggle or competition between the establishing of mindfulness and wisdom and then the kilesas. And sometimes the kilesas win out. Um, it's important to see that if we get caught into aversion at that point, we're disappointed with ourselves, we're guilty, that this is another kilesa just arising. Um, it's what we call vipavadamha, which is um, tendency towards um, aversion. Um, or if it's uh, aversion towards other people, still it's, it's a kilesa. And it's important to start recognizing that. Um, Usually, as a practitioner, we're, we're developing the path, these path factors, and sometimes the path factors come together and seem strong, and they can overcome our different unwholesome tendencies. Uh, but of course, sometimes the unwholesome tendencies will gather their strength to come back and seem to win out. Um, but either way, you have to learn how to let go, don't you? If the power factors are strong and we're able to overcome the places, see them, let go of them, then of course you are letting go at that point and it brings you to peace. But even at the times when you seem to fail and things go wrong and you're still caught into the places, you still have to be able to let go at that point, not to get uh, down or negative because of the failure, but just to see that it's part of the practice that you just simply know that much of. The power factors aren't strong enough at the moment. The have won over 
but not to get disappointed or uh, angry with yourself because of that, just to see, oh, this is part of the practice and be able to let go of that, that sense of failure. Um, and rather than dwell on it and get caught into despair, depression, but just see, oh, it's a sign I must try harder. I must gather up more energy and put more effort into my practice and particularly have um, this vision of the long-term practice that you know we're not going to be able to let go of all our defilements in one day or two days. We're going to have to develop some patience and endurance to keep practicing and to go through the, the successes and the failures and just keep at it over a long time. He's asking how you feel your practice has been going. He knows you've I've been practicing many of you for many years now. You remember some of you even from the last time you were here, which was many years ago. He's asking, how's it been? How's it going? You really have to rely on um, a lot of patience and endurance in the practice. Um, Just have that willingness to keep doing it, keep putting effort into the practice. And sometimes you'll find you, you seem to be more peaceful. Other times it seems very... The mind isn't peaceful, it's more confused, getting caught into moods of different kinds of attachment, greed, anger, delusion. But just have the willingness to keep going and keep learning from your experience. And you know, whenever you think of the Dhamma, whenever you turn your mind to Dhamma, you listen to Dhamma talks and read books and things, and just try and contemplate some of the teachings and you'll find over time they do go in to your mind, they'll start to affect you in a good way. Just have the willingness, the patience to keep at it, keep practicing. Is it generally true that uh, the older one gets, the harder it is to uh, practice, and hence it's better to start now rather than later? Yes, of course, as we get older, um, particularly the body starts to degenerate. Uh, as we know, with old age, we get more aches and pains. Our strength, physical strength, starts to decline. And so this makes it harder to um, have the patience to uh, push ourselves in the practice to um, contemplate things that develop mindfulness all, all gets a bit harder. Um, so we know we're probably, at best, we might expect to live, say, for an average of 80 years old. Um, however old we are now, you know, we, we've only got a certain number of years left till we reach then. But even before we reach 80, we're always already going to find things much more difficult as our, our health starts to decline and the body degenerates. So, you know, really try and find ways to motivate yourself, bring up the energy to practice now while you do have younger bodies, you have more strength, because uh, it, it will get more harder as you grow, grow older. Just counting the number of faithful who come from meditation. <laughs> there was about a hundred people this morning. It's about thirty now. He says that um, generally, when you're listening to a tape or a CD, there is the danger that um, your commitment and uh, the attitude you have might not be so so committed to listening because there's a sense of, well, you can turn it off at any time, you can listen at any time. Um, whereas, of course, if it's a live Dhamma talk, you know, you're in the presence of a teacher listening, you tend to really try hard to listen and 
absorb the, the teachings that you're hearing, you tend to have more interest and try a bit harder. Um, but that doesn't mean to say there's no point listening to tapes and CDs, because of course if you do have a good attitude and you're really sincere and wanting to learn and listen to the Dhamma, then of course they can be of great benefit. Um, and many individuals make use of them, but, but generally there is that problem to be aware of, is that we can become a bit casual and um, not fully commit ourselves if we listen. And our teacher Ajahn Chah used to point that out. And his, um, although they did take his talk sometimes, he didn't um, emphasize it so much. He said the important thing is to you know, record it in your heart as you're listening. When the people say, well, can I record your top talk? He said, well, why don't you record it in your heart? Because that's where it's supposed to go. It's supposed to change your heart and affect your heart. He's aware that many of you will have to go to work tomorrow, so it's a good time to stop so you can get back home to, to uh, prepare yourself for tomorrow. This is you a safe trip home. You are of course all welcome to any other any other parts of the program over the next two weeks. Uh, please feel free to come.